Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. You are now tuned to Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, and my co-host, Steve McDonald. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Wonderful to be here again, Nick. Yes. And, um, well, we just heard the news there. There's always negative stuff in the news. That seems to be the the predominant thing that people focus on with news reporting, north, east, west and south. But there's other things going on in the world. We're going to focus a bit on some positive signs of change today. That's right. We're going to look at signs of progress and particular signs of emerging new human values, new ways of being human that are more complex and more capable. Mm. Very good. And um, folks, just remember that you can text in at any time to our text line. It comes up on the computer right here, 0437 341 or 0437 That'll confuse you. Um, please text in and uh, anything you'd like to say, contribute or bring our attention to. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. 9.14 here on Bay FM 99.9, and you're tuned to Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, and Steve McDonald. And we're looking at signs of change, the emergence of new values and new ways of being, some of those signs that we can point to as a positive indication of the transition to a new paradigm in our consciousness, in our beingness on this planet, in fact. A big task, but it's happening. It is happening indeed. There are multiple shifts underway all around the world and not only the shift from the modern scientific industrial era to what's emerging, Mm. which some people might call postmodern, that it's a humanistic, network-centric way of being human. And uh, that is obviously the headline, but there are lots of other shifts underway as well. In fact, pretty much every society around the world is changing in its own way. Yeah. And depending on its starting point, you know, whether it's starting from a, a traditional tribal way of living or a, perhaps a martial conflict-based way of living or an agricultural way of living, all of these societies are going through change and it's a result of uh, many, many different things. Mm-hmm. I guess you could generalize and say an increase in the complexity of life conditions is, is what Claire Graves would say. Yeah from his research, and uh, those life conditions are all-encompassing. So they include what we've created ourselves in terms of our physical life conditions. They include our psychological life conditions, so the sum result of our psychological history, what that's brought us to today, you know, how people are thinking around the world, and also life conditions from off the planet. So. Uh, the influence of our sun, mm. the influence of this particular part of the galaxy that our solar system is flying through at the moment. And, and that includes, as uh, discovered by the NASA Interstellar Boundary Explorer mission, which is their Voyager spacecraft, the fact that we seem to be crossing into a new part of the, our galaxy right now. Our solar system is transiting out of what's called the local cloud and entering into another part of the 
the galaxy called the G-Cloud, which mm. is different ambient weather conditions. And it's not to be confused with the G-Spot. No, not at all. Although there may be a but spot in the G-Cloud that we haven't discovered yet. Exactly we'll, true. We'll keep yeah. an eye out for mm. that. <clears throat> so um, what we're going to have a look at here is um, some of the more obvious things today. Yeah. And these are the things that quite typically don't make the headlines in the news. You know, the, As you said earlier on, the news often focuses on what's wrong, uh, what's dramatic, and there are lots of things that are changing and things that are emerging in the world which are evidence of more complex ways of thinking and being, evidence of new, more cooperative, more community-oriented values. And also there are some hidden signs which most people probably wouldn't notice which come from the non-linear dynamics of complex systems and and uh, you know, we won't talk so much about those today because we often talk about those yeah. uh, anyway and, and often those signs are in a in an obvious sense taking us in what seems to be the wrong direction but because of the complex nature of of uh, these different systems and the way that they operate then sometimes they go backwards just before they go forwards mm. so we might touch on that briefly but mostly we're going to look at the the obvious things mm. yeah can I just mention you know, quickly, because as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about, as you said at the beginning there, uh, there are different changes going throughout the world, yeah. where the, wherever people and communities, societies, nations are situated generally in their, uh, their layer of, uh, of development and evolution. They are emerging, and you can think right now of the, the, uh, the battle, so to speak, or the, the issue between Hong Kong and mainland China as a good example of this. And we talked about this off air a little bit, that Hong Kong, having been a British uh, protectorate for all those years, um, clearly had a much more Western uh, influence, clearly had a lot more freedom, clearly had a lot more um, financial freedom and a lot more other aspects in in their population growing up in an education system which was, I guess, more Western and so on. And they're coming up against now, after 20-odd years of being back under the umbrella of, of China proper, mainland China, the pressure to uh, to submit to what looks like um, uh, these uh, extradition laws, somewhat uh, arcane and, uh, and backward-looking in terms of the, the perspective of, of how the Chinese mainland and the Chinese government in particular sees things coming from an earlier stage of evolution you could say. So there's this contest between uh, Hong Kong and China in a sense that is very much uh, an example of what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it was always going to be a problem because of, of those things you just mentioned. Uh, the political system in China really, and this uh, everything we say on this show is, is a generalization <laughs> uh, because there are so many different complexities and unique conditions around the world that um, you know we can't speak to all of them. So in a general sense, the uh, the Chinese communist system of government is evidence of a, a former era, a former a paradigm mm. uh, from a Western perspective, which has mm. really come out of the agricultural area. It's a it's a, a relatively rigid system, although um, certainly in you know in recent decades uh, it's loosened up a, a hell of a lot because it's evolving itself. Yeah. But uh, Hong Kong being under Western influence and being a you know a free country and also one of the world's uh, amazing mixing pots, melting pots, where so many different cultures came together and it was a crossroads for travel and all those sorts of things. Yes, my mother used to call it honkers. She used to go there all the time. Yeah, the honkers. honkers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that kind of complexity is, is juice for evolution, for development. And so it was always going to be an issue with the... Um, the, the uh, Hong Kong going back under Chinese mainland control and, and we're seeing that values clash now and the people who've enjoyed freedom 
up until recently are now pushing back against some of the more rigid controls which are trying to be in, put, to, to put into place. And I, I guess from a mainland China perspective, you know, they're trying to reel it in and, and get it under control. Mm. It's interesting too because uh, in terms of Claire W. Graves' work, which we refer to often here, and if you haven't listened before, you will have to you can listen back to our other podcasts at futuresense.it for some of the previous podcasts where we talk about all of these things. But in terms of uh, Graves' work, it, it seems to me that um, that Hong Kong has been very, very layer five, which is the orange layer for most of its uh, its history under uh, British protectorism. And now, in a sense, it's with up to two million people, possibly, they're saying in the streets at the moment or yesterday, uh, that seems to be a, a, an emergence into into a more communal, into a networked, uh, network, network centric organisation against this this older Chinese uh, formulation. Yeah, absolutely. So with everything going through change, we should expect Hong Kong to be transitioning mm. from five to six, which is from the modern scientific industrial, uh, which has been the dominant paradigm for the last few hundred years, into this more network-centric, humanistic, human values-centred way of being. And, and for China itself, of course, um, its dominant shift at the moment is probably from that that more rigid sort of agricultural very structured controlled mm. kind of way of being into a more free market mm. modern scientific industrial way and certainly that seems to be evident from you know the widespread industrialization and yeah. the, the power of china that's emerging as a, a very dominant country globally uh, and these things are like, like i said these are generalizations you know there are lots and lots of complexities mm. one of the things that makes it really interesting is the new technology you know which is coming out and we have this thing called a trickle-down effect with technology so some of our technologies are quite advanced and they'll emerge out of centers which are relatively developed or relatively evolved mm. so there's you know it's very complex thinking that leads to the creation and distribution of this technology and those technologies then become available to everybody so you've got people in what are still very much traditional tribal village type uh, living scenarios who are getting smartphones and you know getting on the internet and those sorts of things so it's you know it creates a very very rich and interesting situation indeed it does yeah. and of course and, and I, I hesitated there because immediately i popped into my head 5g and we're not going to go to 5g today but that that uh, that all these technologies uh, are interfacing and coming together in, in a variety of ways and as Steve is saying, we always say the complexity of the system is really what, what needs to be acknowledged and focused on in a way. There's no simple one way that things are. And, uh, you know, that, that's exciting too because it gives opportunity always for choice and change to emerge out of, uh, out of how we approach with awareness and consciousness what's actually going on on the planet. Yeah, so what I'll do now is I'll just uh, walk us through. We'll focus on the emergence of Layer 6 from Claire Graves' model, which is this... Uh, quite obvious at a, at a global level, emergence of a, a very human-centered perspective. Many people are calling this the anthropocentric era for yeah. that reason. Yeah. And so we're looking at everything from a very, very human perspective. I mean, that sounds like a, an obvious thing, but uh, there's, there's a real, there's a, there's a turning inward with the emergence of this particular set of uh, human values. So we're taking a lot more notice of ourselves, who we are, how we're showing up in the world what we need to change about ourselves in order to adapt to what the world is, is calling for from us. Mm. And um, some of the key themes that are emerging with this particular layer, and uh, the, the changes from the layer five, the modern scientific industrial, into this layer six can be traced pretty easily back to the mid-1800s at least. You know, probably it started before then, but that was when it started to become mm. obvious in, within society. 
and the key driver of this particular way of being human is a desire for deep and meaningful human connection. Yeah. You know, a desire for everybody to be noticed, everybody to get their fair share of things, mm. everybody to have uh, their own voice. Everybody and, to and be an Instagram star. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it's also characterized by an expanding perspective on the world. So from the modern scientific industrial standpoint, you know, we looked out at the world and we, looked, we saw the world as a collection of opportunities that we could potentially explore and exploit. And we would look at all those different opportunities and try and choose which was the best option for us to follow. Uh, you know, so it was a multiplistic way of thinking. That's what Graves called it. And we're, we're moving into a, what is a relativistic way of thinking. So rather than having one sort of standpoint and looking out from there, we're now moving into a way of being human that allows us to move our place of observation around and, and put ourselves in someone else's shoes mm. figuratively and, uh, and with, you know, without moving uh, from our, our lounge chair, we can literally do that, put ourselves in someone the, else's the shoes wisdom, on the other side of the world. The wisdom of the moccasins, as yeah. you referred to before. Yeah, it reminds me of that um, Beatles song, Without Going Out of Mind Tour. Um, what? uh, we'll, come, we'll, we'll come back to it and okay. we'll play it later on. Um, so some of the themes that we're seeing showing up, and some of the, we'll look at some examples of these later on, uh, calls for social justice and equal rights. These were some of the earliest things that really showed up as changes in society back in the mid-1800s, and we saw the, these um, social justice movements emerging around mm -hmm. women's rights, uh, racial equality, those sorts of things. Yeah. A flattening of hierarchies. So uh, it's looking back at the modern scientific industrial era, one of the things that looks wrong to many people now is the idea that power has been centralized and these hierarchies have been built and uh, the the most um, benefit has gone to the pe people yeah. at the top of those hierarchies. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Yeah, and the wealth is sort of filtered to the upper end of the hierarchies, yeah. those sorts of things. So there's a strong desire to want to flatten hierarchies and for people to have more input from all uh, places within society. To, to break down those layers of society, <clears throat> networking in general. Uh, so we've had the emergence of networking technology, which has really come out of layer five, and it's one of the, the, the obvious examples of how a paradigm will solve the problems of the previous paradigm, but then it will create new problems. And so layer five, the modern scientific industrial, has created a problem for itself through network technology. Mm. And that, work techno that network technology has increased complexity and it's, it's um, driven the evolutionary tension that's causing the emergence of a new way of thinking, a new paradigm. And just a, a brief look at uh, the, the status of social network sites, for example, around the world yes. at the moment. Face, Facebook stands out as uh, by far the largest with about 2.3 billion users at the moment. Mm. And I'm, um, I'm quoting from a website called Statistica, or oh, sorry, Statista.com. Statista.com, yes. YouTube comes second with 1.9 billion followers. Yeah, followed by WhatsApp, 1.6. Uh, Facebook Messenger gets its own line near 1.3 Oh, I hate billion. Facebook Messenger. And then in Frankly. order, uh, going down in order, WeChat, Instagram, uh, QQ, which I don't even know what that is, no. to be honest, QZone. So there's a few here who obviously, that are obviously not on our radar, but uh, QZone, uh, TikTok, uh, Sino, Weibo, Reddit, Twitter. And I'm surprised that we, uh, WeChat is there. Is that the, that's the Chinese one, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, so that is up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, so what uh, does that indicate to you? I mean, that's a lot of people involved in these platforms, of course, as we're saying, and there's, there's networks, they're essentially networks. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. And so, you know, there's a good slice of the global population which is already living in a networked way. And that doesn't necessarily mean that their <laughs> values are reflective of layer six because people will use these networks for many, many different reasons. Mm. And uh, no doubt there would be a full spectrum of, of human values in, within the user sets of these particular networks. But just the fact that the networks are there, that they're becoming so dominant in terms of their involvement in the way that we live life and their influence on society is a reflection that this new network-centric way of being human, this layer six, has uh, already emerged quite significantly. And although it's still obvious that the the controlling influences on the planet, so the you know the, the people who are sort of driving the dominant economic paradigm, uh, are still operating from layer five, mm. we're getting very very close to a tipping point now, which mm. which I'm predicting you know will come roughly within the next sort of ten years mm. or so. Because while those platforms have been of great benefit, as we're saying, they've solved a lot of problems, they've networked people together, they've given the opportunity to share yourself, share information, uh, to understand, to know things instantaneously around the world. It's also, of course, been fraught with uh, things like fake news and the, the manipulation of the algorithms, and we're seeing a lot of that. So a lot of the, the emperor has not no clothes. It's been revealed. We're seeing... Uh, the shadow puppetry, so to speak, behind the scenes. So there's those two things operating at once. So it's not all good. It's certainly not all bad. It's a transition to something. That's, I guess, how we would see it. Yeah. In the overall scheme of things, if we look at this trajectory beyond the modern scientific industrial era, we're really still in the collapse phase at the moment, and that's going to continue for some time. Mm. Um, I, you know, probably the, the best guess I can make around a, a tipping point, and it's, you know, the tipping points are never so clear. It's not like you can point to one day on the calendar and say, this was the day that the global paradigm shift happened. But, um, we used to imagine that sort of thing back then, that the... Uh the eschaton, yeah, the word for the eschatology. That's right. The that's end, right. The end certainly, times. Certainly, in the lead up to 2012, a lot yes. of people thought that was going to be it. Yep. Uh, and it was all going to shift in one day, but that's that's never the case. These things are always fluffy and blurry, and and they happen in different places at different times. So it's mm. it's very hard. Some to, people have got a lot of a lot of cans of baked beans stored away. That's right, and and bags of rice bags too, of I rice. expect, which can be quite handy. Mm. Um, so some of the other characteristics that are showing up in society, things like the desire to share knowledge uh, and that, you know, one of the early sort of manifestations of that was the idea of data sharing on networks and those sorts of things, analysing big data from a, a layer five perspective. But everybody wants to share now and your comment about Instagram before is an obvious example of that. Uh, Decentralisation generally is a huge theme. So the the previous paradigm, the modern scientific, scientific industrial has been very centralised and we're now moving back to a decentralization as a way of reorganizing society in general. And consequent to that, we're seeing a relocalization of most things, which is showing up as people want to move, wanting to move out of cities, mm. uh, you know, go back to villages, rebuild the local village, those sorts of things, rebuilding you know, the communities around the villages, the local resourcing of everything. People want locally grown food, particularly organic food is becoming very popular. Uh, locally produced energy and really as many things as possible you know people people want to have that security of actually knowing the people who are providing their things rather than having their supplies and their provisions come through long supply chains from countries on the other side of the world where they don't know you know what kind of conditions were, were present during the preparation or the growing of those particular foods and things yeah exactly well one of the articles that uh, from Nielsen was uh, is about sustainability in the consumer packaged goods the CPG landscape 
which is evolving. Consumers aren't just demanding that companies make changes to better the world, they're also making a few adjustments themselves. The majority, 73% of global consumers, say they would definitely or probably change their consumption habits to reduce their impact on the environment, and that obviously the best way to do that is to relocalise as much as possible. That doesn't mean that every sustainability trend provides an equal opportunity for growth. There's a wealth of sales trends globally that show that products living in the sweet spot of healthy for me and healthy for the world are growing in demand. That's right. And on my list of, of emerging themes there, the next thing is uh, ecological awareness, which is showing up in that example that you just quoted there. Yep. So there's a general desire to want to reconnect with nature. There's a perspective that the scientific industrial era has disconnected us from nature and made us think that we're separate from nature and we, that is, is rectifying itself. And certainly a strong desire to want to repair the obvious damage that we've done uh, on the planet through our various exploitation of resources and dumping of garbage and those sorts of things which have happened uh, out of the, the scientific industrial era, which, which produced an awful lot of garbage. I mean, that, you know, the whole industrialization of things and packaging and all that kind of stuff has produced a hell of a lot of garbage and it's making a big mess. Mm. And we're seeing a lot of technologies which are starting to reuse to reconfigure that garbage in various ways, including I, I heard an interesting piece about clothing, secondhand clothing, how that can be made into... Um, I think not all all materials, but many materials into small pellets, which are then used in some other way, a kind of a number of ways that they're being uh, utilised. So, you know, the potential for that incredible amount of waste on the planet to be reconfigured in one way or the other is uh, is uh, growing at pace. You've made me and all the listeners curious about what those pellets of clothing yeah, are actually being used for. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember because well, I, I you'll have, have to look that, that up. During I'll have to look that up. I will. Um, um, in fact, in a, in a recent global online survey from these same articles, a whopping 81% of global respondents. Uh, said strongly that companies should help improve the environment. This passion for corporate responsibility is shared across gender lines and generations. Millennials, Gen X, Gen Z uh, are the most supportive, but uh, their older counterparts aren't far behind. So that's that's interesting, isn't it? It is yeah. interesting too, and it, it's it's busting a, an old sort of thought bubble that we used to have about values being pegged to generational yep. shifts. And, and the whole Good generation point. gap thing was, you know, a very common discussion topic. But uh, it was a, a limited perspective, a partial truth, because these value shifts that we're talking about don't necessarily relate to a particular age group or a particular racial group or a yeah. particular sex or anything like that. They are, as best we can uh, understand, uh, evident across the board, and it really comes down to the complexity of life conditions. So even if you're you know, a person in the later years of life, if your life conditions change, then potentially your values will also shift in the same way that uh, young people are coming through with different values about these things. So it's it's uh, it's available to everybody Yeah, is, is a good way to look at it. The other I, last thing I've got on my list here for the emergence of this uh, sixth layer of being human is an inward focus. Mm. So our focus is turning from the previous perspective we had in the modern scientific industrial era of, of looking out at the world and wanting to change the, the things out that we see in the world. Or utilise the things out there. Yeah. Use them in some way. Yeah, adapt it to suit, adapt the outside world to suit yeah. ourselves. We're now looking inside. Mm. And so there's an increased focus on personal development, and the, we saw the, the early stages of that come in the later stages of the, of the fifth layer, the, the uh, modern era, where uh, it became about um, being the best that you can be. So there, it was an early sign of this shift into layer six where people in the, the modern world really wanted to focus on improving themselves and making themselves better. Mm. And now that's going to a, a deeper level 
with the emergence of layer six. And well, that's interesting too, because when, as you're saying that, I'm thinking like that. The first emergence of that is really on the physical level. People want to physically yeah, be better. That's you right. Do yoga, do this, you know, yeah. do extra gym yeah. work, improve all those things. Look improve the, the look of the body. Exactly. And then that sort of moves further and further inside into health and well-being from the inside out, and then yes. emotional health and well-being as well, and yeah. psychological, spiritual, even health and well-being as it as it advances. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So there's been a rapid expansion of alternative healing modalities, for mm. example. And uh, we are looking to adapt ourselves to fit with what the world's demanding from us, you know, to adapt to our, what our community's asking of us, what nature's asking of us, the mm. whole planet mm. uh, as a general theme. Mm. So, so there they are the general themes of the Emergent Layer 6, and uh, shortly we'll dive into some deeper examples of how they're showing up in the outside. Well, I just want to talk briefly about Layer 7, because if we look at the time scale of the emergence of these new layers of consciousness, or these, these all of the layers of consciousness throughout history, actually, we can see that the time period between the emergence of one and then the emergence of the next one has slowly got shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm. And certainly one of the reasons for this is that change happens according to the speed of the available communications technology. So when there was no communication technology other than pigeons uh, and talk, like. talking or, or cave painting, cave things, painting. The, the, the sort of speed of change was rather slow. If somebody came up with a new way to light a fire, then it kind of didn't spread around the world very quickly at all. But uh, then we went to riding horses and sailing boats on the ocean. And of course, now we have our more or less instant electronic communication. The, so the British are coming, the British are coming. That's right. So if somebody figures out a better way to light a fire on the other side of the world, then we can know about it straight away pretty much. <laughs> and consequently, the paradigms in other words, the, the period of time that we live according to one particular set of human values, they're getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm. And so we don't really have a lot of solid evidence for the uh, time scales of the earlier paradigms. I, 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 you know, I think the best guess we can make around the agricultural era was maybe roughly from about 10,000 years ago uh, through to you know, the scientific industrial revolutions. Mm. So th certainly thousands of years, roughly 10,000 of years. Then we look at the, the scientific industrial era, roughly 300 years yep. you know, from its sort of uh, full emergence to its current collapse. And if, if we do a bit of a kind of a mathematical analysis of these timescales, then really speaking, the sixth layer, so this emergent network-centric humanistic way of being human, ought to really only hang around as a, as a fairly dominant paradigm yeah. for about a couple of decades, 20, yeah, 20 generational, years. Generational, so. Yeah. Mm. And then going on the same mathematical trajectory, what that means is that by the time that this uh, network-centric humanistic way of being a human reaches full flight on a planetary level, it's probably only going to be less than two years before the next paradigm actually steps up and becomes dominant. And that next paradigm is not just any old paradigm, of course. Not just any old paradigm, folks. This is the quantum shift yes. that many people have been talking about for a long time. So, so we're all the rules change. Everything changes. Mm. Uh, and, and so I'm starting to think that we're probably not going to see any obvious dominance of layer six at a global level. I think we're, what we're going to do is we're going to go into this mushy period of change where things get rather chaotic and fairly confusing. And uh, the, the, ever, the influence of layer six is certainly going to increase and increase and increase. But at the same time, we're going to have the layer seven influence rocketing up. And because of the 
the capacity inherent in human consciousness from the seventh layer, the influence that it's going to have is is logarithmic, basically. It's on yep. a logarithmic scale. So a very small percentage of people uh, moving to this emergent, integrative way of being human at layer seven are going to have an extraordinarily large effect on humanity, on the technology that's produced and its influence on on uh, mm. global life. Indeed. So... Um, so it's going to be a very interesting time indeed and a time of very intense compressed change and it's it's already starting. You can feel it out there on the streets. Well, can you feel it, folks? Let's hope you can. And, and any comments, as I said, 04-373-4119. We have a couple of texts. I'll come back to them in a minute. On Future Sense, it's 9.41. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking Future Sense here on Bay FM. Yes, uh, please subscribe to BFM. We're coming up to the Radiothon, and it's a good time to subscribe early if you're interested in Splendour in the Grass, and subscribe anyway, because you should. And if you don't, we'll be after you in August. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're having fun here. We're feeling a bit looser today. I don't know why, just as it is, somehow. Well, that's me, maybe. I'm just talking yeah, the about the royal we. The yes. royal we. Sorry about royal that. Yeah, the royal we. <laughs> We're talking about positive change on the planet and uh, looking at all sorts of factors. And just quickly a text, uh, one of the texts that came in worth responding to. Hi, guys. What effect to the rest of the world do you think there will be when stage five is the dominant paradigm in mainland China? We're referring to what we were talking about before. It's a really good question, and I guess we don't know. We've got to wait and see how that pans out. Uh, some One of the interesting factors is that what we're seeing is uh, an emergence of these more complex value sets in the West. So even though China is obviously becoming more powerful in terms of its uh, trade capacity and, and wealth and those sorts of things, uh, it's not going to be the most uh, complex country on earth in terms of the its mix of um, higher order human values in terms of like the the network centric uh, way of thinking that's clearly emerged uh, first in northern Europe really and now we're seeing that spread to uh, America and, and other western countries and certainly China has some of that happening as well so it's it's hard to talk in a general sense about these things because they are so complex and it doesn't matter which particular example I give, there are always going to be exceptions in that particular country so, so yes. just take this with a grain of salt, it's, yes. it's a generalisation but the so the emerging value set, uh, the humanistic network centric, one of the key characteristics of it is its peacefulness in terms of seeking mm. inner peace mm. and also seeking to reduce conflict and violence in the outer world. So as China rises and becomes more powerful, it's going to be rising within a world where there is uh, potentially a dominance of this particular peaceful outlook and that's got to filter back into China somehow yeah, interesting. You know, whereas that hasn't been the case for America so as America <laughs> has risen as one of the you know the earliest examples of the modern scientific industrial way of being human and then grown into this powerhouse that it is now uh, in various ways um, it's done that in the context of a world the rest of the world being mostly immersed in less complex value sets okay so whereas um, so it's it's been very easy for America to be dominant in that context China it won't be in the same situation China will be powerful without a doubt but it will be powerful within the context of a, of a world that is 
let's hope, overwhelmingly dominated by peaceful values. Mm. And so, um, you know, the, the uh, I, I think the need for exploratory violence that we've seen through the last couple of hundred years. <laughs> exploratory violence, that's a nice way of putting it. Uh, is, is going to be lower. And we, we should be living in a world that is overall more, more peaceful. Yeah. And we've got a, a rather chaotic period of change coming to get to the other side, you know, to, to that, what I'm just talking about there. Um, but I'm optimistic, you know, about how that's going to show up. And I'm optimistic about how China is going to show up in the world. And I think one of the, the interesting characteristics of China is that internally, Historically, it's always had a big job on its hands to uh, keep the peace and and get all of those little subcultures that it's got happening inside its boundaries working together. Mm, and I think I think that internal need to to bring cohesion and internal peace hopefully will also shape how it shows up in the the outside world yeah. as well. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on BayFM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.